Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. While the rest of the world is celebrating for other things, we are here purely to talk about the result against Manchester City in the Premier League today because boy oh boy was it great. Uh, As always your host Brandon joined by Nick and Dan. Uh, Dan I could have done without you wearing my kit today I'm not gonna lie but the good news is that I'm too happy to really give a shit. (laughs) Well I'm glad that uh, I have uh, not drawn too much ire from you because you own the control board right like if I if you want to mute me if you want to take me out that's all possible. So true. never anger the Busby. For as good as these kits are, I believe that Amity will walk away as the winner of the kit challenge today because that thing 100%. is... 100%. Whoa, look at power that thing. Play, power play by our guest today, obviously, <laughs> uh, and you can't blame him. So obviously, Amity, longtime guest of the show, good friend of the pod. Um, yeah, man, welcome back. It's great to have you. Great to be back, boys, especially after on the back of a really great game. Yeah, well, this is part of the contract negotiations to get you on, so... <laughs> Only big waste, dubs for how many? We're not going to waste this one on Burnley, am I right? <laughs> Thank God. Awesome. Well, right away, how great is this to hear from Big Ben on Discord? We're going to need this episode quick, gents. Apparently, there will be no breakdown of this match on NBC. <laughs> Have no fear. We will only be talking about the Chelsea result today. And then Mike Rinaldi on Twitter saying, highest decibel level achieved during the game? Question mark. I got to tap out. I was genuinely busy at work in meetings. I was highly unprofessional, Nick, but you working from home, I'm hoping you let it fly. I hope the neighbor upstairs was also not working from home because it got <laughs> it got a little shouty. Um, and Did I, you get rowdy, Nick? Probably the most shouty uh, was, was after the uh, Kyle Walker goal line clearance where I said I couldn't fucking believe that probably five times in a row. So... Yeah, yeah, it was a little, I got a little loud today. That's all right. We're good. It happened. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, what about you guys, Dan? I'm sure 
you were probably on a, a Zoom call. You had to pause your video for a moment, maybe? No, it, thankfully, there was like this set of meetings where I just got to kind of watch content being delivered. And so you had like the one computer, the work computer set up, you had your mm -hmm. iPad set up, you know, you had the, the Mac set up so you could do the, the chatting or the tweeting live match. Amity knows the pain. Like, I know exactly doing, what When you're, you're in content about. creation and stuff, like you have to like have multiple displays set up and like multiple yep. you know, actions going on. But I think... The Pulisic goal was probably when I got the loudest. That was that was probably the 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 high point for me. Yeah, I get it. Totally, totally get it. I had to keep it all inside and uh, let it out after after the meeting. Um, but real quick, Dan, right back to you. Apple Podcasts. We're a little bit behind, but we have people to thank. And why are we thanking them, Dan? It's been a while. We're thanking them for leaving a five star review, which is a important way to say, "Hey, you guys are the shit." So uh, that is the way you do that digitally on Apple Podcasts. I want to thank Oliver, Junior Keck, Austin, Louisiana, BBBB something, which I'm just going to say is probably Brandon Busby's stage name, uh, sure, Max sure. Luca, G Page 08, uh, Mercy, T Carlo 12, and uh, Jern Nesty, all leaving five star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Super, super appreciated. If you're listening right now in Apple Podcasts, just drop a five star review, little comments uh, about. How excited you are that uh, we beat City, and we'll talk about the next show. Absolutely. Well, it, it's important, too, because we do have the most five-star ratings of any Chelsea podcast on on the... Look, I'm just saying. It's, it's not, true. We got we to gotta keep that. We got to keep the spot. We're, we're holding there. on. We're holding on. It's great. And then huge shout-out to the new Patreon pledges that have jumped on. Uh, we've got Cena, Luke, and Dawson joining us. They're already in the Discord. Enjoyed the match today. Uh, what a a baptism of fire to that Discord. It was it was great. Uh, and then lastly, Nick, we've got some goodies uh, and some shout-outs, starting with signables. Correct. You guys have heard me talk about this. Uh, go to signables.com. Uh, they have kind of uh, match ball leather collectibles for Pulisic, Conte, Espilicueta, William, and Pedro. You can use our code LIB20 for 20% 20, uh, 20 off of purchases. Go to signables.com. We actually have a link in some of our social posts that is kind of direct to us. So if you can use that, that would be super. Support them. Support the show. Yeah, and then just one last shout-out to Bluebird Distilling again. One of our own Chelsea fans. Uh, Dan is apparently enjoying it if you are on YouTube. Uh, check it out. Again, they're in Pennsylvania, but go to bluebirddistilling.com and check it out. They have awesome apparel as well. Like, shout out to them for doing it right. And their booze is delicious. So, again, we do football merch and booze. That's kind of our thing. So, no surprises there. <laughs> we know our lane. We stay in our lane. We've got really we well established lanes. We know what our it's brand true. is and we just we go to it. We know who you are too out there listening and watching. So, <laughs> <laughs> lastly, Dan, uh, some quick plugs for our media's places to follow us. Yeah. Hey, subscribe to us on YouTube because mm -hmm. we're actually putting ourselves in video form onto that box in your browser and you should check us out there. Also, we've got an Instagram, we've got a Facebook, we've got Twitter at London Blue Pod. All of those are great to hit up. And, you know, we're, we're trying to post a little bit more on Facebook. Questionable if that's a good idea or not, but we're doing it anyway. Brandon, back to you. Match oh, review. Okay. Let's just boomer. get in. <laughs> okay, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> people still say that I, I don't know i might have missed that i might have been pre-quarantine no, uh, yeah you you are now the boomer all right i get it so match review time it was manchester city in the premier league at stanford bridge first time back at the bridge since we had to shut it all down final score in case you missed it chelsea two manchester city uno which is one which means they lost so uh, as always, here are the goals brought to you by the Fifth Stand app, the official app by Chelsea FC. If you do not have it downloaded, you're doing yourself a disservice. Uh, this is going to be fun. Here we go. Chelsea return to Stamford Bridge for a competitive fixture for the first time since March. The corner two from Willian. And then slashed wide by Aspilicueta after Andreas Christensen. Good side by Edison as well, isn't it? A lovely ball in. Yeah, Alonso was there as well. Either of them could have 
done something with it, and this is Pulisic now getting a breakaway chance. Oh, and away from Mendy, Christian Pulisic one on one with Edison, yeah. strokes it into the bottom corner. Chelsea ahead, 10 minutes before half time. There is lining up the free kick, and this is well within his range. Oh, wasn't it just? It's brilliant from Kevin De Bruyne. Special free kick from one of the Premier League's best players who scores against his old club again. Played it first time in for Raheem Sterling. Kepa came and didn't get there, and Sterling hit the post. Why he didn't pass to Mares here? Something to someone to, to fight for. Get Tammy on as early as possible. Edison's giving it away again. And here's Mount. Can he make it 2 1? Oh, he's rippled the side of the net rather than the back of it. Got to score. Got to score, hasn't he? Got to hit the target. Can't it? Always oh, a good chance. Pulisic, Pulisic again away from Fernandinho. Around Edison, surely. Oh, it's just cleared off the line as Abraham put it in. Kyle Walker has come to the rescue. Abraham and Pulisic in the middle. Second go at the cross, there's Abraham. And Pulisic is it over this time. Surely someone can put it in. Is there a handball in there as well? I think that's what Tammy's looking for. And the inevitable penalty followed by a red card. And William scores and Chelsea have got the lead back. Perfect penalty, high up into the roof of the net. What a big result for Frank Lampard and Chelsea. Final score at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea 2, Manchester City 1. All right, so as you heard it there, we've got some lineups. Dan, you know how this goes uh, exactly as we expected from Frank. No. Yeah, without without question. Um, not copy copy and paste Frank Lampard. He went the like he disappeared after Project Restart. Brand new Frank Lampard. Brand new lineup strategy. We saw Kepa between the sticks. A little bit of Aspilicueta and Lonzo on the wings. With Andreas Christensen and Antonio Rudiger in defense, we saw Golo Conte, Ross Barkley, and Mason Mount in a midfield with a forward set of Christian Pulisic, William, and Olivier Giroud substitutes because there's a long, long bench. Willie Caballero, Kurt Zuma, Reese James, Reginio, Ruben Loftus Cheek, all unused substitutes, but Billy Gilmore, Mateo Kovacic, Pedro, and Tammy Abraham. All made appearances off the bench, and Amadi, as Brandon was alluding to, exactly the lineup we thought we were going to get. Not, not, yeah. I mean, to be honest, we've gotten kind of used to the the usual eleven, and I guess that you know throwing a little wrench in there with the Ruben Loftus Cheek playing on the wing last time out, we kind of knew what to expect in a sense, but also it was a little bit refreshing to kind of have our uh, expectations not met, but it turned out for the best. Go ahead, Nick. Gloat, gloat, gloat. What, me? <laughs> gloat? No, no, no. Um, I, I did call the um, Andreas Christensen uh, center back play uh, on our match preview, and that turned out to be an incredibly uh, good use of, of playing that card from Frank Lampard as he had, he had quite the day out. So I'm very happy with you know how the, how the team played. I think the lineup was super interesting. Uh, you would anticipate, you know, we'll get to this as we, we kind of close the show, but you would anticipate some pretty decent rotation after two really hard matches uh, for the FA Cup this weekend. But, um, but yeah, 2-1 winners, bam. Nothing else of consequence happened either, which I think is great. I'm kind of surprised that he hasn't used all five substitutions yet. He's capped it Blown four. away. I'm shocked. Honestly, I mean, he, he has the people he didn't do it i did hear the announcers commentators saying oh i didn't even recognize Jorginho out there with all that hair and now looking back you're like um you didn't actually didn't so you mean (laughs) Jorginho fro no oh Oh, gosh nope nope send him away i'm gonna send him away from yourself (laughs) mad chats uh, Chelsea with uh, an, a, an overpowering amount of possession with 35.2%. Uh, but here's where it gets exciting. Chelsea had 15 shots to Manchester City's 11. We had 10 on target to Manchester City's 2, which is massive as far as I'm concerned. We had 14 tackles to their 7. We had 19 clearances to their 8, which is probably what you would expect. Um and from there, we each had a caution. They had a, a red card, as we all know, and we conceded 13 fouls there, three. 
So again, a little bit of the bastardization of Lampard teaching Chelsea to kick the shit out of people kind of showed itself, which is great to see. Uh, and then Dan, you threw in the uh, expected goals map here for Chelsea versus Man City. Huge shout out to at Kaylee underscore graphics for putting these out. Yeah, it's the the best. They are the best for expected goals. But 2.8 plus one for the penalty for Chelsea, 2.8 for City. Outside of a little De Bruyne and Magic, we kept it locked down. I, yeah, and just to clarify, it was 2.8 plus one for Chelsea, 2, 0.8 for Manchester Correct. City. That was unlucky of you to, to have to yeah. talk that out. Uh, Nick, what were you saying? You, you just, you notice throughout the game, you know, it's a nice kind of precursor before we get into like individual performances, right? Chelsea were clearly not going to dominate possession. We didn't dominate possession when we played City earlier, right? But I think the lesson that was learned um, between, you know, November and now is that City are vulnerable if you play the well-placed long ball over the top because they have to press so high for their system to work. And there were outlets all over the place today in Pulisic and Giroud and Tammy when he came on and and even William down, down the right-hand flank. So, you know, even though Chelsea didn't have the highest amount of possession, Frank Lampard was well set up uh, from a strategic standpoint to, to kind of make the most of those opportunities. And I think that's why we saw some of the success that we did today. Omni, I felt like Chelsea were under the cosh a bit in the beginning, were maybe struggling to get out of that press. But I feel like as the game went on, we got smarter. We figured it out. We found some gaps. You know, Giroud, we found his chest a little bit more in some things. But I think that just goes to show you that while you're, we can struggle in the beginning of a match... These guys are sitting there analyzing it every minute, trying to figure out, okay, that didn't work. Now what's my next opportunity? Or, hey, this guy tends to cheat this way. And Alonzo actually started um, to bait guys to try to cut off the pass, and he would go up line on the dribble. So I just want to kind of shout that out as like the IQ of these players and the and the tactics that go behind some of the stuff is is massive. I mean, these guys have 10 different options every time the ball is at their feet. Yeah, and you could kind of see them working it out. As we kind of got past the 20-minute mark, we were mm -hmm. probing a bit more, passing the ball a lot more quickly, which really kind of made the press less effective. Um, and, and to echo really what Nick was saying, if our center backs or defenders can bypass that first line of the press, you can see City become really vulnerable because so many of their players are upfield. It kind of becomes a one-on-one -on -one in every situation. Situation. And as you were saying, Alonso going up the line, kind of learning on the fly there um, that he can't really play the pass inside and to use the space that was available to us. It was really awesome to see them kind of pick those things up as the game progressed and take advantage of it. Yeah. But also, Dan, I think to me, one of the things I noticed about this game is uh, from the start of the first half and the start of the second half, City looked way more dangerous. After the drinks break, Chelsea looked far more dangerous. And it it, it's a weird wrinkle, right? Because this doesn't happen. You usually have to figure it out on the fly, but Lampard has the ability to get the group around, around orange slices and water and say, Hey, we need to, we need to do something different here. And you could see him pointing out in the, in the camera, you know, where players need to go. And he was talking to Alonzo and stuff like that. So it's, it's an interesting wrinkle for sure. Sure. In between the Capri Suns, Frank was giving out the, uh, the <laughs> best type of tips to go after, but city tried to win the game in the first 15, 20 minutes, and they tried to come back into the game in the first 15, 20 minutes in the second half. And outside of those initial onslaughts, it was our game. We dominated everything else beyond that. There were a couple of minor scares, but Pep's plan was to win it quick, and it didn't work, and he didn't have an alternative plan after that. Yeah, it, yeah, it's really interesting. All right, well, before we get into kind of uh, some of our talking points and analysis in this one, Nick, I guess... I'll just throw it to you. I mean, I think you have a, a really good kind of um, just, I guess, assessment and overall kind of, I don't know, I you talk. I'm just going to let you do it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I just wrote this because to me, I, I did not think we were going to win this game today. Um, I thought, it, you know, we'd get a draw out of it and be able to, you know, kind of eke our way through. But it just feels like there's so much momentum on Chelsea's side right now between what's happening in the transfer market, what's happening with Roman, what's happening with results on the field, with players getting healthy. It kind of just feels like this thing's a rocket ship right now. And, you know, I know that there's going to be focus on another uh, red team winning the title today because of Chelsea. First and, time in you know, 30 years. 
Yeah, and, and rightfully so, right? We're not going to talk about it on this show, but like rightfully so. Um, but you know, if you're if you're looking around the league right now at teams that are kind of on the upward trajectory, Chelsea has to be near the top of that list just in terms of how we're trending. And so I just for a Man City team that I always fear playing because I think they're that damn good and they have such a deep roster. I think that Chelsea took it to him today, learned a lot from the first match and and really deserved to win by more than a goal. And that's uh, a big result for us in the top four. And I'm really happy about that. Hey, Nick, I just want to tell you, I'm proud that you're able to get through it this time without getting emotional. You did a really good job. Look, man. Tears uh, in the pre-read. Pre-pod. Tears in the pre-read. I was concerned. I just, one tear. All right. Let us know what you think about Chelsea. How are you feeling about the momentum? I'm not going to say meteoric rise or anything stupid like that. We're a top club, all right? But there's momentum to Nick's point. I want to hear where you are on that scale. Um, and yeah, get in touch with us. The socials, emails, however you got to do it. But match, just breaking it down. Just how good was that? I mean, that's it, guys. Like, the elation and the feelings. We went toe-to-toe with Manchester City, widely regarded as the best manager, one of the best teams in the world. Uh, didn't they dismantle Real Madrid in the Champions League right before we went on a break? I mean, this team, minus the fact that they've dropped points at odd times this season and have let Liverpool win the title, uh, this is just a fantastic result. And biased front and center, Christian Pulisic. I, mean, I don't think we've really gotten a chance to talk to you about him. I'm wearing the kit right now. Nick's wearing the kit. Dan's wearing a kit. But he's on the Pulisic hype train, and that's where he's been. So, look, I'll let you kind of give us your assessment of him, where he's been. It's been an interesting first season for him at Chelsea, but, man, his involvement today was immense. Yeah, I mean, the, the kid is, and I, and I do say kids, because you got to remember <laughs> yeah. how young this guy is. He's been just waiting for a chance. And you can see that when he gets the ball, he's, he's looking to see what he can do. Obviously, Frank wants us to play forward, wants us to play on the front foot. And I think Pulisic really emulates that. I think that his first idea when he gets the ball is, can I advance this? Can I get ahead? Can I move past my man? And everybody knows he's good off the dribble, but I think his intelligence, where to be, how to, his timing, his movement off the ball, when he sees an opportunity, the kid attacks it. And I think he treats his, his opportunity to get playing time in the same way. Um, he earned his starting spot this, this week after a great performance last week coming off the bench. I think that he has proven more than once this season that he has the goods, whether he's coming off the bench as a sub or when he starts. And I think he just, he's it's an inspiring performance today, but his progression over the entire season has been nothing short of that as well. And I think that there's a lot to be said about where he might be next season, where he might be the season after, because he's going to get better, which is kind of crazy to think about, but he's still improving. He's still learning. And under Frank Lampard, I think he's doing a hell of a lot. Oh, absolutely. Nick, I love this tweet from Squawka. It says Christian Pulisic has now scored more goals, eight, in 2019-2020 than in any other season in his career. He's missed damn near half of the season. And then what did you say at the beginning of the season? Like 15 goal contributions would be good for him this season? Okay. Yep. Great. Done. Box checked. Look, obviously we're biased when we talk about him just because of who he is and and where he plays his international football. But I think for any objective observer in the Premier League to look at what he brought to the game today, what he brought to the game against Villa, what he's done in the Champions League this year, to to say that he you know we only like him because he's an american is is just flat out ridiculous i mean the guy is good <laughs> and i i think there's there's been so much excitement around new transfers coming in that people kind of were sleeping on him a little bit again and you know it's fun to think about a new ziesh that you get to unwrap and take out of the box and put on put on the wing right it's fun to think about timo werner playing from the left while tammy's up top and what I think you see today, Dan, is a guy who is um, taking no prisoners during this stretch and a guy who looks like he is more than happy to fight for a place in the team. And that 
I, I know that Frank is overjoyed by that. Yeah, Frank Frank has plenty of presents under the tree, but he popped the batteries back into Christian Pulisic, and he's been rewarded for what's going on there. When you think about the fact that across the 25, so 25 appearances he's made for Chelsea this season, eight goals, six assists at just over 1,700 minutes, that's a really nice start to his career at Chelsea. And we have to think about it in like the context of the career, right? This is just the beginning of his journey with the club, with the change in expectations. And we talked about this in our preview, what was going to give Pep Guardiola nightmares. It was going to be run-ins behind his defenders and his midfield. That was and me. Christian Pulisic, that. That was me. True, <laughs> true to form, did that so, so well. And it's just so different, Brandon, from being used to Pedro and William who don't always make that run in behind, who don't always have that break of pace and watching Christian just continue to attack, attack, attack and get behind so regularly. It, it's so refreshing and rewarding and exciting for what comes next. Yeah. I, like you said, he's had to transition to a new league, a new team. He's didn't have an off season battled injuries and we're still getting this kind of output. And to you guys' point, like, yeah, we're American. We love him. At the same time, we've seen him before this season. A lot of people, this is the first time they're getting to see him. And I think that the fact that, to my observation, the majority of UK match-going fans rate him, that that's kind of the ultimate litmus test. If you can get the home fans on your side that means you're doing the dirty work you're providing the end result and you they don't warm to you easily especially as a foreigner especially as an american because americans aren't good at football we play soccer over here and he's done that he's convinced them that he's the real deal he's convinced them that he's serious about playing for this club and being an impact player, and it's fantastic. Can we take two seconds, though, just to recognize the fact that not only was he fantastic in attack, you know, he was flipping wings with William at points in the game. He was also doing some really good work to get back defensively to try to help out A1 Marcus Alonso at times, who occasionally got caught a little flat-footed. I mean, I think in general, we saw so many facets of his game in this match that don't always get called out. And he he gave a, a man of the match performance across all facets of the pitch today. Okay, well, and Am- Amity should have had two. I mean, like if if not for a absolutely absurd goal line clearance that Kyle Walker will never pull out of his ass again. I mean, he he rounded Ederson with ease. Like you know, for my money, the second best goalkeeper in the Premier League rounded him with ease and and put one past him for a goal. I mean, like. This ain't a fluke, man. Yeah, and what I mean, the kid, as I was saying before, he's when that ball gets played up over the top, he's already moving. He doesn't know that you know that the header is going to be missed. He doesn't know the bounce is going to beat Fernandinho, but he's he's gambling, and his speed gives him that option. He gets beyond Fernandinho like in a second, and the way he sets himself up to round Ederson, like the touch almost gets caught between below, like under his feet, and he still sorts that out and then pushes it beyond Ederson, like he's. Sorry for the fireworks over here in Brooklyn, but it's all about the Chelsea win. So, I'm going to have to go <laughs> Anyway, the guy, he's thinking on his feet. He's quick enough to make those kind of moves. And to beat Ederson with such ease is just like, I don't think we give that enough credit. He should have scored that second goal, but Kyle Walker is insanely fast too. So, kudos to him. Yeah, that was, that was he's, wild. He's good at suckering people in in the way Hazard is. And he's figuring out this about his game where – you know, he had that, that great run versus Mendy, and he realized Mendy is at top speed is faster than him. But Bliss is like, oh, my acceleration is actually way better than yours. So let yeah. me slow down on the first goal, let you catch up for just a second. And oh, oh bye. See you later. I'm about yeah. to score. Yeah, he, <laughs> he dangles that ball out there so well. And then to your point, his change of speed and direction is great in the sense that, um, yeah, he can get by him. And Honestly, it was a terrible decision from Mendy. He had Gundogan with him. He should have just stood him up and slowed him down and maybe pushed him yeah, wide. But he, him. he exactly, he made a bad decision, which you get from Mendy. This is the play. And he he baited him, baited him, and then gone. It was, it was fantastic. All right, Raheem Sterling, generally accepted 
a very, very good player. On the day, not saying any other context, on the day, Christian Pulisic, three shots, three on target. Raheem Sterling had two shots, one off the woodwork, one off target. Uh, Dribbles, Christian Pulisic had five dribble attempts, one-fourth of them, okay? Raheem Sterling had one. It was successful for one, but he got dribbled past as well. Overall, the way it went, it was such a good day for Christian. But I think we are kind of probably rambling on him a little bit. Uh, Lampard on Pulisic. This is coming from Nisar Kinsella at Goal.com, who covered the match, says, Christian came in last summer. He didn't get a break. When he came in the team and played really well, then he got an injury. I wanted to see if he could bring it in these kinds of games, and he brought it. Lamps is hyped, and it is great. Uh, Chase and, and, and Discord saying Pulisic has to start every match until UCL is confirmed, right? As long as he can. We got to be careful. Muscular injuries are up crazy. We, we have to keep him healthy. Uh, and zooming out a little bit, uh, Los Farringtons on Twitter saying, is Pulisic the season MVP? Nobody fighting as hard for the team right now. His production with limited minutes is excellent. These last two games are off his boots. And they were very bad while he was injured. Analyze his play the same you do as others, and he has a case. That's that's a strong shout. We he's uh, the restart MVP right now. He yeah. is the is restart this the same MVP. as Barkley being that. the preseason MVP. Similar. Well, uh, I mean, it, it feels like a different type of football. I mean, we're yeah. using water breaks. We have five substitutions. I I, I view it Suns. through a completely different lens. Yes, we do. I would also. Like working as hard for the team, Mason Mounts worked insanely hard for the team. Keeping guys. that like, record alive of playing in every single match this season, too. Like, let's just you know, look, we we love Christian, but he's played like not nearly as much time as as Mason or or Kovacic or whatever. So, like, yes, twelve hundred minutes in the Premier League. I hope I hope he gets that way through these last seven matches, but Mason's been. Working his ass off, man. Again, recency bias nominee, I'd say. Kovacic was kind of the the shoe-in pre-shutdown. Yeah, I was going to say Kova would have been on probably the name on most people's lips. But at the same time, given a small sample size, Pulisic delivers. I mean, he hasn't had the most minutes. He hasn't had the most games due to injury. And also at the earliest part of the season, he wasn't getting the time. But I mean, as I said before, when Lamps calls on him, he delivers. And it's hard not to, you know, look at that and say, well, yeah, he's been our most valuable player of the of the post restart. But I mean, I don't think he even wants that kind of attention. I think he's just trying to put his head down and do his do his job. And I think the more he looks at it that way, the more that he can be realistic about what his capabilities are. And you know, he has confidence in his game. You can see the way he plays. But yeah. as long as he can deliver when Lance calls on him, I think I think he's in a great spot. And yeah. fans will warm to that more and more. Yeah, so true. So, so true. All right. 20 minutes of or more of Christian. We should probably talk about someone else on the pitch. I don't know if you guys know about this guy. He's, he's a World Cup winner. Short in stature, but mighty on the pitch. Angola Conte, World Cup winner. In the middle of the pitch as a CDM. Highly controversial, you might say. Uh, Miles on Discord. Shots fired here, Miles. He goes, so <laughs> when are we going to discuss Conte in the CDM in a midfield three? Question mark. Dan, boom, in your face. What? I'm surprised you didn't throw to Nick. Nick is so excited to talk about I'm talk gonna, about his boy, I'm talk gonna, about his Conte yeah, love. Make him um, hold on to it. Make it wait. Oh, that's So then I'll throw to Amity and make Nick wait even <laughs> yeah. longer. Perfect. <laughs> Done. You can this even hit me do too. It. <laughs> yeah, look, it's... It's fantastic. I mean, the thing with Conte, and I actually think the thing, zooming out just a little bit, is that this Chelsea team is filled with so many players at the moment who have a level of versatility where they can be played in multiple positions. It, it It's challenging because there's a negative to it in that where's everybody's best position or how do you get the best lineup? Mason Mount can play in the front three. He can play in the midfield. He can play as kind of a second striker behind Tammy that happened a couple of times in a few matches. Golo Conte can play all over the midfield. You have Reese James playing in the midfield and in the right wing. You've got players who are playing left back and left wing back. There, there's 
it's nice to have that option and it's nice for Frank to be able to experiment. And I think what we've gotten a chance to see is that no matter where you put N'Golo Conte, no matter what you want his position to be on the pitch, he's going to go out and execute. Yeah. You know, like anyone, City's press, I think, challenged all of us during the match and gave us a bit of a, a situation to kind of handle with a couple of errant passes from, from Kepa, from Conte, from, from Rudiger and others. But overall, starting to flourish in this in this role and kind of this ass that Frank has of a momity. Yeah, and I think that a lot of people, and this could be something attributed to Sari, when he was playing him as the right-sided midfielder in the center mid, he showed us a side of his game that many people didn't know he was capable of. Um, and he improved in leaps and bounds throughout the season to the point where people were saying, well, yeah, that's, that's his best position. He should be played on the right side of the midfield three. Forgetting the fact that he was a World Cup winner with France playing a CDM, he can play even deeper. He can play going forward. The guy is very versatile, but he convinced many Chelsea fans that he was now a right-sided attacking midfielder. But the reality is when you don't see Conte for much of the game and you don't have much to say about him, it's because he's doing this job. And a lot of the times people make this comparison with him and Jorginho, who's better, who's, you know, who connects the, the offense more, who's better protecting the back four. And I think that one of the things I see most with Conte is he's rarely getting run past. So, yes, he had to recover today and he fouled Mares for uh, De Bruyne's free kick, but that's a rarity. I'm not looking at him and saying, oh, wow, we got to cover. We have to have someone there to help cover for him. Um, he's definitely capable of playing that position on his own and he's doing it with class. So, yeah, I mean, Conte is never someone who I'm, I'm not going to speak highly of, but more and more, the fact that he's been played in such a, I guess, difference of positions in the last uh, season and a half just shows how quality he is. Me? I think I I was ready to sell N'Golo Conte. And maybe I had forgotten just how good he was because of Sorry, the injuries. What? I know. Because of the injuries that he had. He... I, I clearly took him for granted, is literally super human out there. He's 29. We're like, oh, he's going to be 30 next season. I'm now saying give him, like, ride out his career. Like, let's hope he maybe goes to France for one last season at the end of his career. But, like, I want him at 32, 33. Let's give him the Gary Cahill contract right now before that he hits was, 30. That was and the one. Fucking yeah. wrap it up. <laughs> Look, man. Uh, I, I I struggle to find superlatives for him, you know, because we've we've done nine thousand episodes of the show now, and he's been present for you know five thousand of those episodes. So it, you know, it's like you look at him. Can he do this right? But can he play a CDM? Yes, he can. Does he have the distribution of a Jorginho or a Rodri? Or, you know, some of the more attack-minded, you know, what? sure, Billy even. Yeah, you're right. Um, gets a, his pass in a minute, um, which was a delight. Uh, but I think what you saw today was Conte went from acting as a attacking midfielder and showing off some of his Zidane-esque silky skills to being prime Makalele. I mean, he was prime Makalele tonight. Uh, genuinely shocking how well he covered ground. He basically buffered Rudiger and Christensen all night, provided some cover to Alonzo, although not a ton, just because he was so kind of center-focused. But when De Bruyne would move up in midfield, you, you can go watch the highlights of this every time, It you know, N'Golo's his shadow, right? When when David Silva came into the game and was moving into that little pocket right, you know, in front of goal, who was there? N'Golo. I it, it would be an absolute nightmare to to have to go up against him when he's on this. And the thing I would bring up is he's just a complete footballer. You can put him in whatever box you want to put him into. He will likely exceed your expectations if healthy. And he is now healthy for the first time in like a year and a half. So good luck with everything else, rest of our seven games. The dude is on fire right now. And, and I think the other thing... You know, so you look at Conte, you look at Barkley, and you look at Mount working together. The selflessness of the three of them in this match is, I think, the the thing that like they had a hive mind and they were willing to say, you know what, it's not about individual glory in this moment. It's not about one of us looking better than the other. 
people were ta- I think some people were like, oh, man, Barkley had a bad game. Barkley was just doing what was asked of him. Like the whole thing was shutting down this midfield and making it really, really difficult for, for Rodri, making it really difficult for Bernardo to not allow them, for De Bruyne to not allow them the opportunity to be creative, to do the tactical foul, to pull them back for a second, to just give it, give us a half second of extra opportunity to advance the ball forward. And it, do- it doesn't look pretty. It's not going to be the sexiest game of football you're going to see from Chelsea Football Club over the next 12, 16, 18, 24 months. But it got the job done, Brandon. This is exactly what you want to see, is figuring out what does your opponent do well and neutralize the shit out of it. Yeah, we talked about that. You know, We talked about you know, being bastards and fouling Jack Grealish more times than what he wanted. And the fact that Manchester City you know, implements systemic fouling, even though apparently the PGMOL are confused about what that concept is. Um, what is a foul? Oh, my. What, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the, it's the butterfly. <laughs> yeah, the butterfly meme. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. I wish that wasn't so accurate. Um, yeah, and so, <laughs> as we said, you have to not only set your team up for your strengths, you also have to set your team up to defend the other team's strengths. And we talked about, you know, sucking up the fullbacks and getting in behind them. Uh, look, William wasn't the worst player today. Um, I'm not going to say more than that for fear of retribution. Um, but I can, and then Pedro coming on again, another very direct player. Uh, I, th- I thought we had some, some good work in there. And at the end of the day, Barkley didn't wear long sleeve compressions. He flexed the guns, got out there, got stuck in and showed his Everton roots. And I thought it was good of him to, to kind of, at least show that side of him as a player. Uh, the third person feature we want to put in this one is one player who I still am open to selling. <laughs> Christian Sen, Andreas, the broken-fingered, maybe concussed Danish prince, had himself a game. I'm just going to step out. Dan, tee this one up. I don't know what if I can contribute to this conversation. I, I really like the fact that on our on our Discord, uh, you know, through Patreon, someone made the mention of, "Hey, like what what happened actually after he got hit?" And they took the uh, the Goku going Super Saiyan from Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> it's like it just it activated. It seemed like the headband or the face mask. Yeah. It had that moment of impact where it just took his his game to a different level. Uh, this is Jorginho moment from last year. Like, yeah. He he stepped up to the challenge, right? He had, you know, has had a pretty roller coaster last two seasons, right? You know, riding super high pre Barcelona, and then just getting worked in that match and shredded, and then it completely crumpled who he was. And then you know, has had great games, has had not great games, and I think I actually think the way that City plays, especially with the lineup that we had, which didn't have Aguero, which didn't have uh, Jesus starting where it had really, I'm not going to say frail, but just smaller attackers where he can kind of marshal them, where he is a little bit taller. He plays the ball really well. He reads the situation. He's not typically stressed in most scenarios. Almost popped up with with the goal, like really, really close to, you know, finding and targeting mm-hmm. that header into the back of the net, Amity. Like, he, he had a game that was more emblematic of, I think, the player people want Christensen to be versus who he potentially typically is. Yeah, I think you said it best. I think that he showed today the kind of quality and the the awareness uh, in his position that people would wish that he would show all the time. And he has had a roller coaster over the past 18, 24 months. Um, but today, there was, it was a complete package. You know, going forward, he almost had that goal, as you said. And his... His passing was pretty exceptional today. There have been some wayward balls from him. We think about that Barcelona game in particular. Um, but today he was on point. And I don't know if it was because of getting hit in the head like that or not. But um, if he's going to go super play on like that again, I'm, I'm all for it, frankly. Hit on the head before every match. Done. <laughs> I mean, as a person who played some pretty terrible basketball in my, in my life, I have been hit on the top of because he got hit in like the crown of his head, right? Like, which is a whole different deal. Yeah. I've been elbowed in the crown of the head before, and like, dude, it it's 
days before your head feels right again. It's like, disorienting. It's, yeah, it's and, well, and it's it's like a soft spot too. Like it's yeah. not you know it's just it's not like your forehead that you're used to heading the ball. Like it's a whole different deal. So I, like when he got up and his eyes were like like where like what, like trying to like see light again. It was it was a little scary to be honest with you. Um, yeah. Look, I, I think the watchword with Christensen today is composure. When you play a Pep Guardiola high press, you know, kind of swarm of bees type of team, you need composure from all of your players, but especially your back line. Um, you need your back line to be able to break the press, pass the ball to N'Golo to distribute elsewhere, or pass the ball up the wings to, to players who can go take it and do something with it. He played incredibly well today and showed some toughness. And by the way, not for the first time he's shown toughness that I think will endear him to Chelsea fans if he continues this type of trajectory of performance. He clearly is our best ball-playing center back at this. You know, I mean, I don't even think it's that close, uh, to be completely honest with you. If anything, Rudiger has looked more shaky in these two matches than Christensen has, and he's supposed to be the anchor. Um, so I, I think I, I'm happy for him. It had to be a tough match for him, especially after getting bonked on the head. But... He is showing some toughness that I, it has to, Brandon, endear him to Frank at the very least. So I'm just going to read off some stats because I can't get in trouble still for that. Still want to sell him or still want to <sighs> – still selling him or – Yeah. I just – but it's a preference thing. Like, I like him. I just – Doesn't – it does not sound like I it. just – well, again, I mean, look, <laughs> if we if we agree that none of our center backs are the anchor center back we need – We don't have Van Dyke. I mean, it's just obvious. Do you keep him over Rudiger, Tamori, Zuma? Like, I don't know. I've I look credit where credit's due. Um, he showed up and had some good performances. Uh, you know, as Naz tweeted, his stats: Christensen versus Man City, hundred percent of eight duels won. It's pretty decent. Fifty-eight touches, ninety-three point three passing accuracy, four tackles, three clearances, five times he regained possession. He even had a shot on target. Uh, that is a great day for a center back. Um, I I just good game. We'll see how next good season goes. I, and move and move on. Good. Just Basically, move on, Brandon. Brandon, are you saying that if he performed like this every game, which all of us have agreed that he hasn't necessarily done the past few years? would you still feel the same? Are you saying that his best game, which is probably arguably today, if that was his best game and he was producing it week in, week out, would you still want him gone? I guess the hard thing is knowing like who the partner is. Like If you get that anchor center back, I, I think my, my problem, and this is something I probably need to get my head wrapped around, is what could he look like next to an imperious center back, hard knock leader? Because maybe they fill out those things that I wish most of our center backs had on the physical side. I feel like he's the least physical, but by far he reads the game the best. He anal he like predicts what's going to happen. And you know, I probably don't give enough criticism credit for his athleticism as well. So I'm having a hard look inside. I'm probably going to get blown up a little bit on socials and that's fair. Um, but you know what? Maybe if he was next to the quote unquote Van Dyke that we could have, you know, because I feel like Joe Gomez is pretty silky smooth on the ball, and they tend to be a really good pair because you know Van Dyke is the destroyer, you know, the yeah. imperial defender. Uh, maybe that is something that could work. I mean, look, if he plays like this consistently, um, it'd be hard to argue that he he doesn't deserve time and a, and a role in the team. I, I yeah, you're right. Agree, agree. All right, Dan, Dan of the match. How did you find a way to mess this up? Well, I, I think it was because I did not put Azpilicueta in there, which Frickin is... Dan. <laughs> so uh, we it's had four choices. Like to you, sir. Oh, God damn it. Just stop, please. No, you're can never. You're canceled. Not today. Not, canceled not today, he wasn't. Um, so uh, Pulisic, Mount, Christensen, William as your four choices for the Dan in the Match poll. In fourth place... William, 1.3%. Mount, 3.5%. Christensen, 17.3%. But no surprise, Kaka, Christian Pulisic, fireworks, barbecues, 
America. Honestly, I should be smashing 77.9%. a couple, couple Budweiser's together. <laughs> little Stone Cold. Yeah. Baby. Lee Parker's oh, got me in that in that mode right now. <laughs> Look, can I can I shout out Mason Mount really quickly? Because I, I think his performance is one that goes under the radar today, but is insane for the amount of energy that he expelled during this match and basically starting every press opportunity that we had. And we pressed more frequently in this match than we have in any other match this season that I can remember. He was all over the place in midfield trying to win balls back. He rushed a shot that I know he wants back uh, after Ederson kind of gave him a freebie. Uh, but there is no one on the team that has shown consistently this year, and that's N'Golo Conte included due to injury, the type of fire and willingness to go track back and win balls back and advance the ball upfield than Mason Mount has, and it deserves more praise than he's probably getting. I think Frank's talked about that work ethic, and he does the dirty work for the team to make it easier on the people around him. And that is probably why Mason Mountain is featured in 31 of 31 Premier League matches this season as well. Uh, I just pulled up the fifth stand app real quick as well for their man of the match poll, and it is Pulisic by a landslide, 85%. Uh, they had William Christensen and Aspie Laqueta as, as their people um, or their options as well. But it's just a matter of, of you know, the man of the day. It was Christensen, or is is Christian Pulisic, but... Um, there is a huge supporting cast around him. I mean, look, you have to play as a team. You have to, as yeah. as one Antonio Don Conte would say, you have to suffer against a team like this. And we suffered. Throwback. And we're resilient and, and got it. So, yeah, look, I mean, Amity, you've played a lot too. I'm sure you have to respect and appreciate the type of sacrifice that Mason Mount gave to this team as well. Like, it sucks chasing down a ball you probably aren't going to get to time after time. And the dude does it. Yeah, but what he does, is, I mean, it's twofold. For If you're on his team and you see him busting his ass to get to every ball that maybe he won't get to, it sets the tone. It inspires you. It makes you want to also work hard. It also tells you, hey, this is the reason our manager keeps picking this guy. He's got 100% work out every game. He's also a pretty talented footballer on the side. Then again, if you're playing against him, you get sick of the sight of this guy. He makes you play more quickly. He makes you worry about whether he's behind you. You're always checking over your shoulder. You know he's going he's gonna to be breathing down your neck. And that's the kind of player who, you know, on both sides of the ball, whether he's moving forward with the, with the ball or if he's defending, he's going to give it his all. And it's, it's, it's annoying if you're, if you're on the other team. He's like that guy who you hate to play against. But if you see him in Chelsea Blue, it's hard not to love the guy. I mean, he's, he's a young kid working his socks off every game. And that's going to always have him uh, on on the lips of his manager and on the team sheet. Yeah, he's not a glamour footballer. And I think maybe some of that comes from his time at Cobham and what it means to him to play for the club that he will put in that sacrifice and knows what's expected of him versus you know maybe people who come from around the continent or from different academies and things. Uh, I think that there's something very tangible and concrete when you go from an under eight to the first team. Oh, yeah. I, I will say he has the potential to be, though, right? He he should be a glamour footballer. Like, his skill set would determine that, like, eventually that's more likely who he is than N'Golo Conte, right? Like, yeah. I, I think, you know, he's obviously found the finishing part this year harder than, than maybe he anticipated. Mm-hmm. Um and is, you know, I think when you look at just pure stat line is not going to, you know, the effort doesn't show up on that, on that box score. Right. But he will be so much better off next year for what he's done this season. It's not even funny. Like he's, he's going to know when to spend energy next year and not just run around like a crazy person. Um, it's, it's going to be impressive. And he's one that you just look at and you're like, well, you're just a part of the first team and you're probably going to start. Every match. He's like a wide receiver in the NFL, right? You know, it's it, they're never great the first season out of college, but the moment they get to year two, the jump that they make is pretty massive. And I think we're all excited about what year two Eminem is gonna gonna bring to the table. All right. Well, the table, or I'm sorry, Callan, our buddy from Hawaii on Discord. Hawaii. So he has a 5 a.m. kickoff Sunday. So you got this, bro. <laughs> Uh, how, Shout out. How do we rate our chances of overtaking Leicester or even City? Bold. 
Bold take. Commentators made a big point of talking about Pep turning his attention to the Cups. Is there any chance City ease off the gas in the Premier League? Do we have to take it from them? Well, let me set the table, gentlemen. Liverpool have officially clinched the title in first place. Manchester City are on 63 points with a plus 44 goal difference. Uh, They play Liverpool next, so I wonder what that game will be like. Uh, Leicester City on 55 points with a plus 30 goal difference. Chelsea, with a massive win today, are in fourth still on 54 points. It's only one point behind. Plus 14. Bit of a gap. Yep. Manchester Mm. United still in fifth on 49 points. We have a good five-point lead on them. They're plus 17. And then Wolves also on 49 points uh, in sixth plus 10. So I'm going to cut off there. uh, And that is our top six that we see it. I don't know. I mean, I'm going to need Dan, if you've heard, essentially thinks third place is in the bag for Chelsea right now. Lester, Lester <laughs> haven't had the best return to the Premier League action. Um, so I guess, what do you think about third? And I'll even put it out there for entertainment's sake, overtaking City to get second. Um, I think we have a good chance of, of taking third. Leicester have a more challenging run-in than we do. Um, I can't list off the exact games that they have coming up, but they have some pretty pretty difficult matches to come. And they've kind of been stuttering. Um, especially since the restart, but also uh, in general in the last sort of three weeks, if you don't include include this huge long period of quarantine that we've had. But I think that Chelsea, their confidence will be high, particularly after winning uh, these past two matches. And kind of with the cushion um, that we've given ourselves over our chasing pack, I think we can focus on, on moving up the table. And while City might be a long shot, I do think that, our sights will be set on taking on overtaking Leicester and, and snagging that third place spot. Nick, we're gonna make Dan sit on his hands a little bit this time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm the least optimistic of this group typically, so I, I'm very happy with kind of the position that we're in right now, knowing that we have, you know, some winnable matches coming up. Like West Ham look pretty listless right now as our next uh, Premier League match, right? So. Take three points from that. See what Leicester does with Everton, which can't be an easy match for them, just given how tough Everton's been since Carlo got there. And we'll just kind of see, right? Like, I think we have to take this match by match. I I did not anticipate having two more points at this stage than we currently do. So feels like a security blanket almost. Uh, but to, to me, Wolves are still... To me, more of a threat than Manchester United is. Um, even though United looked really good uh, this week, Wolves just have something to them, man. They're going to be tough for the last game of the season. We all hoped Amity just to quickly pass back to you before Dan gets to gloat on his on his current status. Um, we all, you know, kind of looked at Wolves as the last game of the season, hoping that we wouldn't need anything from that game to secure Champions League football. So I hope, I hope we're there. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think Wolves are not really a sleeper team, but they're probably one of the teams people didn't expect to be currently where they are. And um, they've got a great, <laughs> except for this guy, <laughs> they've got a great team cohesion. They've got some really good players, particularly in, in uh, Adam Atreori. And a certain Mexican striker who I think has surpassed all expectations, but they, they play in a, in a certain style that, you know, really screams, Hey, we are a team. We know exactly what we're doing. They know what their coach wants from them. And I do agree with you on the fact that they are probably more of a threat than United. Um, I expect United to slip up um, drop points. Whereas wolves seem like they're really on the on the rise right now. Yeah, Dan, they are wolves are an off-brand Antonio Conte Chelsea team because yeah. Jimenez is basically an off-brand Diego Costa who is is pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah lo- love love Jimenez, love him taking me to uh, get getting close. I've been in the top like five of our fantasy God, Premier League ranking. I'm finding multiple ways to gloat by making me wait. Um, yeah, the Wolves are fantastic to watch. They've got great football. I think it's going to be good that they get to be in Europe again uh, two seasons in a row, especially if that also means that Tottenham and Arsenal are not in Europe. Like, if we think about, like, yes, there's some terrible things at the top of the table that we're not, we're not very happy about, but 
us gazumping Leicester after them thinking that they were done and dusted and well beyond reach. And then also pushing them back, potentially putting their Champions League situation in jeopardy. Uh, that that's fantastic. But I, I, I love bringing up the 538 probability statistics. And so right now, 93% probability that Chelsea finish in a Champions League qualifying spot. Leicester at 91%. United dropped after this weekend to 79. Wolves at 29. 6% probability for Tottenham. And Arsenal actually went up to 1%. They were less than 1% previously. They've moved up to a 1% probability. Hey, man, that's what happens when you beat an in-form Southampton. All right? Yeah. They they won away. Is is this their first away win in the season? Or... Or one of like one of two like they won away today for the first time forever. Yeah, so. it, it's super bad. Do you remember the stat when they like hadn't lost a game at a three p.m. kickoff on a Saturday in like ten years, something like that at home. Yeah. Oh, and then they fucking lost. It was fun. all right. Sorry, apologize. <laughs> um, I do want to say this, Dan. All right, five thirty eight has updated their home field advantage. It's now reduced by sixty percent. It was ten percent last time we looked at it. That's massive. That means teams are dropping points at home, not the Mighty Chels, Stanford Bridge, get that redevelopment extension online, and it is a fortress again. Not overhyping that at all. Moat included. <laughs> there was the issue that we couldn't win at home for large swaths of the season. Whatever that and means. And so the fact that we have taken fans completely out of the game for, for terrible nope. reasons. No, no, no. Now, we can't no. we can't blame bad the home take, fans man. for the bad take. It was just a joke. Uh, don't at me. Um, okay, well that definitely wraps it up for us. Uh, as far as this match review goes, we are right at the hour mark. So enjoy it. This is all Chelsea. No other teams involved. Um, Nick, I'm gonna let you take this one out uh, because I think you know what you shared with us and what I'm sure all of us have seen on social media. Um, is just is super important, right? And it's something that with with Amity on, you know, we we've done our our history of Chelsea and racism series a couple of years ago, and it's something that you know is obviously a topical element right now in the United States. Is Black Lives Matter is is um, a movement that has gained significant traction, and rightfully so, um, since uh, the murder of George Floyd. So. I just wanted to call out one thing that I saw this week that brought me to tears, Amity, and I want to get your perspective on it too. Um, Robbie Earl on NBC Sports on Monday, when they, when uh, in the middle of the City Burnley game, they flew the White Lives Matter Burnley uh, plane over the Etihad, uh, was brought to tears and shared uh, some personal anecdotes that uh, brought him to tears, Rebecca Lowe to tears, and Kyle Martino to tears on set. And I think I would encourage everyone to go watch this because it's his personal experience uh, with racism or discrimination of any sort in, in the United States. It broke my heart. I can't imagine how it is, you know, coming from your perspective, but wanted to get your thoughts on on everything that's going on and uh, just see kind of how we might do better as a society. Yeah, and I think that it was really important that Robbie Earl shared this. I think that, you know, people know him. He's a recognizable face. Um, I think he pointed out that people will see him on the street and he'll be like, oh my God, that's him. Or, you know, he's famous enough. Whereas for the experience of any person of color in this country, I think that particularly the, the I guess the, the everyday nature of what he was trying to explain. And that is that he was walking down the street and some um, a white woman saw him and crossed and then crossed back. And he was saying how, you know, it doesn't matter if you're famous and well-known or rich or how you, if you dress well or whatever it is, people of color are treated differently. Um, and it's, it's a, it's kind of an issue that has, while it's gained traction, the Black Lives Matter movement recently, I feel like there's been a significant backlash to that. And we spend a good amount of time online. Um, you'll see people, whether they're, you know, hiding behind a fake avatar or not, you know, they're not hesitating to, say things either like all lives matter or this is football, keep things like this out of it. And when you get someone like Robbie Earl, who's in the spotlight often enough that, you know, he's a recognizable personality on a, on a major network telling a story that, you know, hits home for so many people. It's, it's super powerful. And I'm really happy he shared that because I mean, I've had some experiences like similar to that, but I've never really been, you know, people don't really look to, 
to share these things because they hurt. You know, that's why that's why Robbie was in tears. That's why um, Kyle was in tears. That's why Rebecca was in tears because to hear this coming from someone who they obviously love and who they spend a ton of time with and who for whom they would never feel these sorts of things, um, it, it really kind of hits home. And I know you know a lot of times anecdotal stories like that are you know, not everybody really feels like they're as relevant because stats, et cetera, et cetera. And but these are the facts of life for, for many people of color in America. And as a black man myself, um, it really, it really struck a chord with me. So I'm, I'm really happy he shared it. I'm happy that they provided him a platform to do so. And I suggest, as you said, that everybody go and watch that. You know, it's really powerful and it's tough to watch, but it's important that people hear these things and, and you know, don't take for granted um, that movements like this are gaining traction because i think that a lot of people are opening their eyes to it well said man yeah honestly thank you um you know you robbie everyone that's sharing their experiences that we don't have as as white gentlemen in this country and we need to to be open to it and we need to listen to it and hear it so again um really powerful i'm glad you know it was not easy for robbie to do that you could see yeah, you can tell. And for him to do that, it, his loss and his suffering will strengthen the community of people who want it to be better and who want it to be fixed. And the value in that is immeasurable. And um, I, yeah, it, it was it was very powerful. And so um, shout out to NBC, as always. Uh, amazing stuff. Shout out to Robbie. Uh, Best in the business, man. Omni, my yeah. man friend thank you it's great to see you great to see the kit great to hear from you as always so thank you for hanging out with us always a pleasure guys always a pleasure i say it every time i mean it good Uh, one of the best parts about a win is being able to chat about it with you guys so absolutely always absolutely so everyone out there go tweet at amity uh link in the description tell him he did a great job because he did uh and to all you listeners out there thank you we couldn't do this without you we appreciate you your support nick and dan gentlemen uh thank you for showing but until next time chelsea fans which is only this sunday only a few days away (laughs) you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high